I moved to New York and I lived in New York for over 20 years and I just became a Jets fan. And the Jets in the in the 90s went on a bit of a run where they went to back-to-back AFC championships and when they had Bill Parcells right. as coach and they had, you know, Vinny Testaverde was amazing and Wayne Krabat and Curtis Martin. Like, there were some years there where it looked like, oh, this might happen. And they were, we were all Jets fans. And then since then, it's just been, you know, decades of pain. With its curious focus on Tripp and Lewinsky, impeachment follows the tabloid model rather than subverting it. That's Sophie Gilbert of The Atlantic talking about the featured review. That's Impeachment, American Crime Story, not a movie, but a limited series, which is currently on FX from Ryan Murphy. Also, though, we are talking some movies. How about The Addams Family 2? Yeah. Great cast, okay? Oscar Isaac, you got Charlize Theron, you got Chloe Grace Moretz, uh, and also a new film, Listen, my man, Al Pacino's got a new film. You know I'm locked in. American Trader, The Trial of Axis Sally, currently available on Amazon Prime. Pacino's supporting role, but still always something that I'm going to be locking in. That's the new movies. The old movie this week, Meet the Parents. All right, 20th anniversary was last year. Hadn't seen it in a long time. Figured I'd check out the story of that male nurse, Greg Fokker. I have nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? <laughs> yes. As far as the wild card is concerned, the great Will Arnett, one of the great comedians of all time. Listen, I love the guy, okay? I think he's such a brilliant comic mind, noted Canadian. We talked about everything. His love of the New York Jets. In fact, he's a soccer guy. Uh, Arrested Development will ever come back. Uh, Lego movie. The fact that him and Jason Bateman are boys. Bateman's love of the Dodgers. You know, he'll be locked in the wild card game. So lots of good stuff there with Will Arnett. That is coming up. Chris Cody, though, battling illness is back now. Thank God you're okay, Cody. I'm doing better, man. Me and my wife have been knocked out the last two days. Uh, it's not COVID, two negative COVID tests, but feeling better. Glad okay. to be feeling better. I've been cold. I've been hot for two days straight. It's the worst. Oh, it's just a horrible feeling. I mean, health is yeah. everything. Um, did you have a chance to watch the many saints of Newark in between being sick? Oh, I did not watch that yet. I did yeah. throw on Meet the Parents this morning. So I'm ready nice. to talk about that. But maybe next week I'll hit you with the many saints because I am okay. going to watch that. I've been, but I did not yet. Perfect. Once again, check out the DraftKings the tie-in that we were talking about last week. Mm-hmm. Of course, check that out if you're a fan of Many Saints of Newark. You see lots of reactions right now. I think people liked it. I think there's some criticism. People saying the story is a little bit disjointed. But I think people love the cast, love being back in that world. I actually have a good question for you as someone who's seen it and is an expert on The Sopranos. Is there any value in going back and watching any of The Sopranos before like a certain episode, a certain season finale, the last episode? Because I'm feeling a little rusty with my Sopranos knowledge. So I don't want to watch the movie and miss things that I shouldn't miss. Yeah, the, the answer is you would need to watch the entire series. So there's no way you're <laughs> going to be able to watch 86 episodes because like at least a half a dozen of the best lines are like related to specific episodes. So I, I don't think it would help you to watch episode 32 and episode 46 and then 40. Like, yes, specifically to the movie, you would get the certain jokes, but I think you'd really kind of have to dig into the whole thing. But the good news is this. You've seen it, so you'll know it. And I think when you watch the movie, those jokes, you'll, you'll, you'll call to mind. You'll okay. get the essence of it. The big question I keep getting asked is, hey, if I didn't watch The Sopranos, should I watch the movie? And, of course, the answer is, what's wrong with you? Why don't you just go watch The Sopranos? Spend the 86 <laughs> hours. But, no, does it, does it going to harm your enjoyment of the film? No, you should watch the movie. It's still a really good gangster movie yeah. as a standalone film. But, yes, if you're a Sopranos fan, okay. it'll be a lot more different. All right, let's move on to our featured review, Impeachment American Crime Story. It is a limited series examining the national crisis that led to the first impeachment of a U.S. president in over a century. It tells this story through the eyes of the women at the center of the events. Monica Lewinsky, Beanie Feldstein, Linda Tripp, Sarah Paulson, 
and Paula Jones' Annalee Ashford. All three were thrust into the public spotlight during a time of corrosive partisan rancor, shifting sexual politics and a charging media landscape. The series shows how power lifts some and disposes of others in the halls of our most sacred institutions. Impeachment, American Crime Story from Ryan Murphy, currently available on FX. So, uh, as we're recording this on a Tuesday, episode five will have dropped tonight, so we're going to do the first four episodes. And again, always very conscious of spoilers, but I was very excited to see this because anything with Ryan Murphy, you know he's going to have uh, a real element of salaciousness to it. Like, I think he's a, he's a skilled creator, but he obviously likes material that's tawdry, and he likes these tabloid stories. Um, I, I thought American Crime Story did a fabulous job with the O.J. Simpson story. Oh, but again, that one I saw. I didn't see this one, but I love that one. Yeah, OJ was so riveting, right? Because it's not only true to life, but they're going to push things in a certain angle. It'll be a little bit tawdry at times. Uh, It'll be a little bit silly at times. Like I kept saying about John Travolta's performance, it's either a great actor giving a very bad performance, or it's a bad actor actually giving a great performance. Either way, (laughs) it it was a must-watch, because his mugging as Shapiro was just so ridiculous, and the makeup Mm -hmm. and his gestures, I mean, it was must-watch. Sarah Paulson, I thought, was incredible as Marsha Clark. You know, one thing about Ryan Murphy, is always casting Sarah Paulson, and she's in the lead here as, um, as Linda Tripp. I thought, literally, the entire cast, Cuban Jr., obviously, I mean, the whole cast was, was uniform and really well done. In this case, so I have high expectations going in. I've enjoyed the show so far, but again, with Ryan Murphy's work, it's very much a slow build. You know, this is an award-winning limited series, American Crime Story, but there's a reason why they take their time in telling these stories. This is like 10 episodes, 10 hours long, and the big misperception that I had to realize early on was this. I thought it was about Clinton and Hillary, but no. Yeah. You, we haven't even seen Hillary Clinton through four episodes. I mean, we're talking about a 10-second glimpse here and there. Edie Falco, of course, from The Sopranos, who I cannot wait to see as Hillary, who she says she's a huge fan of. Imagine that. You get to play Hillary Clinton in a story about when her husband got a BJ from this woman named Monica Lewinsky. Like, God, what a role to tackle. But we haven't even seen Hillary in the movie. So she doesn't even come in, I think, till later in the show. And even Bill Clinton, Clive Owen, who... Listen, he said when he got the role, he was shocked. He was like, I don't look like Bill Clinton. I'm English. Like, why are we doing this? But it, it's interesting. As he said, it's kind of a version of Bill Clinton. Like, I don't think he really looks like him. He's got a huge nose, put on a little bit of weight, salt and pepper hair. But he's such a good actor. I think he's conveying the essence of Clinton, which, as Jay Leno said years ago, for comics, he goes, every joke about Bush was that he was an idiot, and every joke about Clinton was that he was horny. So... You know, this is this is all that we've reduced these two guys. To. And Clinton was fat, which you know, I never thought he was that fat, to be honest with you. Like, apparently, he likes cheeseburgers. Like, hey, guess what? Me and Chris Cody like having fast food once in a while too. We make. I don't remember him as fat at all, actually. Yeah, if you look back, Phil, if you look Phil Hartman, SNL, Bill Clinton, there's a sketch where like he's literally in a McDonald's, just won't stop eating burgers. He's just a disgusting mess. <laughs> so, like, never thought Bill Clinton was that fat to begin with. Maybe he's a stoner. Right. I, I just remember the fact that one time when everyone was so excited about Barack Obama, they said, this is the first black president. And Chris Rock said, we already had a black president. His name is Bill Clinton. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> remember him classic. playing the sax on Arsenio? Like, the guy was awesome. Uh, anyways, this is obviously dealing with the less savory aspect of Bill Clinton's life, which is obviously an episode I'm sure we wish it could go away. But what's fascinating about it is it's focusing on the women rather than focusing on the person who obviously committed these issues, which is Bill Clinton, but the women who suffered because of it. And I think for a lot of years, you had this perception of Monica Lewinsky as some sort of gold digger, right? She's trying to get the president. She's manipulating him. Um, you know, she had sexual relations with him and then tried to boost herself. But of course, it's all nonsense. Like, why, why would that happen? And seeing the show is really, you know, it's done with Monica Lewinsky's imprint. And apparently she was a consultant on the show. And Ryan Murphy said to her, I'm only doing this with your approval. Like, I want you looking at scripts. I want you there on set. I want you helping Benny Feldstein, which is very rare. 
Normally, when real-life events happen, you say, hey, we're going to take dramatic liberty, we're going to take license with it. It's not a documentary, just figure it out. But he was very clear that he wanted it to be a compassionate look from her perspective. And so the Monica Lewinsky that you see in the show is a woman who fell in love. She just happened to fall in love with a married woman, which hap- a married man, excuse me, which happens every day in this country. And she fell in love with a guy who's the most powerful man in the world. And just didn't want to lose him. And even as he tried to break it off, he had guilt. He realized, I can't do this anymore. She wanted to stay with him. And then Linda Tripp gets involved. I did not know enough of this story. Linda Tripp is really the one that blows the whole thing out of the water. Like, if you think back... Who is you, she, by the way? I'm sorry for the ignorance. So she, no, like, no, no, who, no, no. It's not ignorant. You're right. Because someone said to me, Linda Tripp, I'm like, I don't know who the hell it is until I watch the show yeah. again. She was Monica Lewinsky's friend and confidant. So Lewinsky okay. started telling her about the affair, and eventually Linda Tripp is the one that exposed the affair because she was very bitter and vengeful against Clinton. Thought he was a pig, okay. thought he was you know, corrupting these women, and was upset with her own treatment within the Oval Office. So they're all working in, in, for the White House. They're out of the Oval Office. Monica wants to get back in because she wants to see Bill. Linda Tripp feels she's been demeaned. So she's got a score to settle. And all of a sudden, she's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let this thing go. And whether I leak it to the post or whether I break it, so I'm going to write a tell-all book, et cetera, et cetera. So mm-hmm. I think that the, the story is really fascinating because, again, it's showing these women and it's showing how friendship is corrupted. Like, Linda Tripp is turning on her friend. We're, we're halfway through the show now, but when we start to see the sense of this betrayal, I can't imagine how Monica Lewinsky Oh, Monica's felt. not happy with it. Monica's, okay, it's oh, wild. Oh, yeah. Well, I think about that. God, she's, she's in love with Bill Clinton, and all of a sudden, this story's coming out. I'm like, it's just, it's horrible for her. And I can only imagine how the... Uh, all the angst will be amped up as the series yeah. goes on. So I'm curious to see Edie Falk on the show. But so far, I think it's a really interesting look at how power corrupts all. And it's obviously very timely coming off the Me Too movement. Just how there's no real easy answers when it comes to situations like these. Now, we know O.J. Simpson watched The People versus O.J. I just know that. I don't need to like ask that. Do you think <laughs> Bill Clinton Do you think Bill Clinton watches this show? No shot. My wife asked me that, Not- too. And I go, there's no chance. Are you kidding? This is the worst incident I mean- of his life. Yeah, but I bet he's interested in like what's no. being put out there about me, Zero Adnan. I, if there was I, a movie I, no. made about Adnan Virk, I feel like you'd have to be—you'd have to be like, what are they saying about me? I, I would want to watch it, but I don't think Bill Clinton is. Like Clinton's like, dude, I've been through such hell with this thing. I think he's got people watching it. I'm sure his buddies are like, bro, episode six, not great. But I don't think Bill right. Clinton is sitting down. There's no chance he's watching the show. That's a close friend that sends him a text heckling him about the show. <laughs> like, that, yeah, I was gonna say, I, I met that tongue in cheek. I don't think I was busting his chops. He's got a. There's a short list of people that have that poll with Bill Clinton. I'd he may say. have an advisor or two who's like, hey, just let me know what's happening. But uh, American yeah. Crime Story uh, Impeachment, I think it's fantastic. I recommend it for people to check it out. As I said, I think the series will get better as it goes along. And Beanie Feldstein is very good. Of course, Jonah Hill's sister, um, she was really good in, in some of the other stuff. I saw her in Booksmart. She was really funny. But I think she's got a real kind of innocence about her. You know, She's showing that Monica is naive and really in love and ultimately delusional because she thinks she can somehow get back with Bill. I'm going to give it three Maple Leafs for now. Might be bumped up to three and a half, four when it's all said and done. Impeachment American Crime Story from Ryan Murphy. And by the way, just like the OJ one, I think a lot of these actors are going to get nominated. Beanie Feldstein, Sarah Paulson. Just wait for award season. They'll all be getting Emmy nominations, I am sure. We move on to American Traitor, the Trial of Axis Sally, which follows the life of American woman Mildred Gillers, played by Meadow Williams, and her lawyer Al Pacino, who struggles to redeem her reputation. And this is an interesting concept. It's from a director, Michael Polish. Writers are William E. Owen and Vance Owen. Daryl Hicks wrote the screenplay. And again, you're dealing with World War II and Nazis and the fact that this was a woman. Other interesting role she has. So she was part of the propaganda machine of the Nazis. She was conveying how the war effort was going for American families, but she was doing it with a Nazi slant. So think about that. She's speaking English. She's being controlled by the Gestapo. They're telling her what to say, and then she's sending this information home to Americans. At one point, you see 
American mothers who are curious how their sons are doing, and, and she's hearing, oh, this is happening now, this is happening now. So it's kind of an odd concept for a movie. I don't know too much about the actual story of the trial of Axis Sally, but of course I saw it because of Al Pacino, who plays her lawyer. And the movie got crushed <laughs> as far as the critics were concerned, which I'm not surprised by. It comes across as very ham-handed and very stale. Thankfully, Pacino actually thought it gave a good performance. I was worried. I see he's playing a lawyer. Oh. It's he's 81 be, years old, Adnan. He's 81 right. years old. And there's, the thing about this, how many actors at 81 years old still able to not even be cogent and coherent, but actually give a, a, a performance of range? Like, he's playing this lawyer who you think immediately going in, okay, like, does he actually believe her? But he makes it clear to someone else, like, no. Like, he's not the one who's fighting for her innocence. He's just trying to do his job. He's like, everyone is, you know, open to their interpretation of her. But as he tells her, you're one of the most hated women in America right now. He's like, aside from Hitler, nobody hates you more, and I'm the lawyer trying to defend you. So I'll do what I have to do. Ends up striking a deal at one point because he's like, whatever, I don't care. Like, I get paid either way. I love the fact that I thought the lawyer would be one of these, like, you know, hard-worn guys who believes in her, and yet he is the opposite. He is a guy who is as cynical as it gets, who realizes the system is corrupt, who takes a deal to basically get her in prison, but then does an effective job of trying to free her. So I'll give it away because I don't want anyone to watch this movie because it's not very good. But in the last scene, he gives like an incredible closing speech in which basically he's saying she should be freed. She's up on eight counts and the closing scene, they go through each count, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. I'm like, wow. And the last count, guilty. So he actually did his job, which is to get a conviction, but he ends up meeting with the prosecutors afterwards, and they're upset with him. Like, well, he's like, listen, you got what you wanted. She's guilty. She's got 30 years in prison. But he did such a convincing job as the lawyer, he almost got her off, so they're upset with her. So ultimately, I don't know what the movie is trying to tell us, Cody. Should I feel sympathetic to this person? Because as Pacino says in his closing summation, what would you do? Either you take a bullet in the head or you read what's said to you. And he's like, she just, she had no other option but to cooperate. Or do you say she's a despicable human being? I mean, yeah, tough luck. You shouldn't have done it, so you're going to prison for the rest of your life. It's a moral quandary, but ultimately it's not a film that I can recommend. I feel like after doing this podcast with you for, what, two or three months now, mm -hmm. I've learned that you are so unbiased about every single thing except Al Pacino yeah. and Robert De Niro. <laughs> like, I don't believe that it was a great performance. I mean, it was probably fine. I'm not going to yeah. criticize him and say it was terrible. But I just think you're incapable of yeah. saying that it was a bad Al Pacino performance. <laughs> He's 81 years old, Adnan. <laughs> He, he did not yell hoo at any point, I'll tell you that. Did you not like... Hoo-ah! Yes, there we go. Wait, listen. The Clint Eastwood impression was great. Now we're going to have Cody doing Pacino impressions. <laughs> you and Mike Ryan do the impressions of the show. We'll get Mike on here doing Pacinos. Hoo-ah! <laughs> by the way, how good... If people have not listened to Frank Caliendo, he was amazing. His Pacino Oh, my God. It's so one of my favorite things we've done. The guy's the best. All right, let's fire through a couple more, and then we'll get to Will Arnett. Adam's Family 2. The Adams get tangled up in more wacky adventures and find themselves involved in hilarious run-ins with all sorts of unsuspecting characters. It's a sequel to the 2019 animated film, The Adams Family. That's from directors Greg Tiernan, Conrad Vernon, Laura Brousseau, and Kevin Pavlovich. And those are all the people involved with this. And listen, it's getting scorched again online. I think it's at 23% right now, Rotten Tomatoes. Listen, as you guys all know, I'm just here to tell you that I'm supporting local theaters. $46.50 to take myself and three of my boys to the movies. Local theater, not the AMC. Giant tub of popcorn and three slushies is another $24.50. <laughs> You're lucky, Ridgewood Cinemas. And, and I thought it was perfectly fine. It was aimless. It's passable entertainment. Cody will watch it with his daughter one day. I just think the Addams Family in general. How about the theme song? Like the fact that everybody... Oh, it's epic. And, right? Just... And the fact that everyone just knows it. Na, 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 na. Na, 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 na. It's really all I know. I am not a big Adam's Family guy. I'm not a big right. Halloween guy, so never really been into that 
you know, thing, but yeah. I know the song and I know they got a guy with a hand running around. Yeah. That's really all I know about the Adams family. Yeah, the hand guy is awesome. I also love Gomez, who's the main character, voiced by Oscar Isaac, who's everywhere right now. Oscar Isaac, he's on a show on HBO right now, which is incredibly boring and tedious. Scenes from a marriage. <laughs> he's also voicing this character. He's going to be in Dune. Oscar Isaac is running away with this year. I mentioned Charlize Theron as well. Chloe Grace Moretz. Max Brothers will be on this podcast at some point. Tell us a Charlize Theron movie, if you haven't heard it before. Bill Hader is also one of the voices. Bette Midler. Where's Bette Midler been? She's in Adam's Family These too. are just paychecks, right? These actors are like, this is a name that people know. Let me get this paycheck easy probably two or three days of recording in a studio yeah like simple it's just it's it's unbelievable what these actors will do right oh, easy check no problem at all but again it's perfectly tied in for halloween if you like the adams family i think you'll enjoy the film i think if you're not a fan of the adams family like why the hell am i watching this so right. perfectly passable aimless entertainment we'll give it to maple leaves we'll get to one more review and then we're getting to will arnett that would be meet the parents this is our old film of the week Male nurse Greg Fokker meets his girlfriend's parents before proposing, but her suspicious father's every date's worst nightmare. You have an unusual last name. How do you pronounce it? Uh, just like it's spelled. Fokker. <laughs> okay, Fokker. Uh, I hadn't seen it in a long time. Jay Roach is the director. I knew the name right away. Of course, he was tied with Mike Myers. They had Austin Powers together. This was that era Cody. Really good comedies, late 90s, early 2000s. I liked it when it came out. I felt really no reason to watch it again since then. So I just figured what the hell. It was on HBO. Let's do it again. And uh, I enjoyed it. I, I like the movie. I think it's got one note at times, which is just yes. father-in-law from hell. And Stiller keeps screwing up. I'm like, okay, I got the it. The worst luck a guy could have through an entire movie. Like, it's, yeah. it gets a little bit much at times. Yeah, let, let's be critical first. So the fact that when, when, when he's going to his the, the wedding of her ex, like, I'm like, hang on a second. So her, first off, his fiance, played by Terry Polo, never told him that she was previously engaged. And then all of a sudden, he's at the dinner, and he finds out through his prospective father-in-law, who clearly does not like him. I'm like, wait, so that's when you get to tell him that, oh, by the way, I was engaged. Right. Then the guy who she was engaged to, is Owen Wilson, is actually part of the wedding party for her sister. I'm like, what? So not only did you not tell him, just for not let that one slip, you knew it was going to bite you in the ass that someone was going to mention, hey, do you know, by the way, this is her fiance. Like, what a, I a complete lack of faith that she wouldn't tell him. I think Owen Wilson as the creepy ex-boyfriend was such a good casting, though. He oh. played that role perfect. It was one of the best performances, I think, in that movie. Oh, he's hilarious. When he starts talking about why the fact that, like, he, he literally is, like, it's so ridiculous. He's talking He's just, he's like, looking off into the distance. He's like, she's great. No, yeah, because she, 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 she was a real tomcat. And so yeah. like, what, what, what do you mean by that? He's like, huh? And even when he's like, the whole thing, <laughs> the whole reason I got into carpentry, he's like, the whole reason I love about carpentry is, like, you know, because of Jesus, because of Christ. Pause and dinner was like, Greg's Jewish. Like, just a way to kind of take a shot at him. And he goes, Well, yeah. so was JC. Like, a perfect right. comeback by Ellen Wilson. Like, hey, no problem. We're all on the same team. Anyway, so I already found that to be a reach. And like you said, the worst luck ever. I mean, at one point, he buys cheap champagne, and then the cork opens, and it happens to hit the urn, which contains De Niro's mother's ashes. The ashes come down. Okay, that's already bad luck. But then the cat happens to come over and start pissing on the ashes. Classic jinxie. Classic jinxie. Well, at one point, goes upstairs to have a smoke, ends up hitting the wires, electric pole comes down, starts a fire, ends up burning the sculpture which Owen Wilson had created. Like, listen, I'm all for it's, comedies taking some chances, but this was about as right. contrived as it gets. But listen, you see a movie because of the actors, right? Ben Stiller's really funny. He's awkward. He's neurotic. He's this nebbish. He's trying to smoke. Uh, De Niro tells him, hey, you can't sleep with my daughter under my rules. Get ready to keep your snake in the grass next 72 hours. So he's clearly realized that the father-in-law doesn't like him. He's not who he thought he was. He's not a florist. He's actually a CIA guy who could literally break down interlopers and truth-tellers. 
And this is a story with Parliament which builds. But you like the movie because of those two actors. I thought the chemistry with Stiller and De Niro was very good. When Ben Stiller's trying to explain to him what Puff the Magic Dragon is, and De Niro's <laughs> look, of, look on his face, and he's just completely disbelieving it's about a pothead, that stuff is genuinely funny. And of course, the memes that have come out of it, you know, I got my eyes looking at you. That's probably mm -hmm. the stuff that's the most memorable of the film. Have you ever had a Tom Collins? Because I've never even heard of the drink outside no. of this movie. And I've always kind of wanted to taste one because I'm just like, man, Robert De Niro likes Tom Collins in this movie. I kind of wanted Tom Collins. Yeah, I could see that. Sometimes you kind of see these movies. You guys, it's always like sideways. You're like, I got to try Merlot because all of a sudden Giamatti hates Merlot so much. That, I don't think you're alone oh, in thinking that. This movie also has one of the classic quintessential, hey, I know that guy actor play who plays in this. R.I.P. James Rebhorn. Yeah, James Rebhorn. He's Rebhorn. in you know this what? movie. I'm so glad you mentioned it. Because remember, Ben Lyons mentioned that. It was James Rebhorn, who I think he knew somehow. I don't know how the hell he knew him, but you're right. He was in Set of a Woman, which is so great. Go ahead. Oh, Meet the Parents, Independence Day. I mean, from like movies from my era, Independence Day, Blank Check, My Cousin Vinny. Like, he's just one of those guys. He's always a guy in the movie, but you're just always like, I know that guy. I know that actor. Yeah, Rebhorn is unbelievable. You're right. At the one point, he says that Florence Nightingale over here. And I honestly, the best scene of the movie, which I had to rewind a few times, is where they're playing. Uh, volleyball in the water. I mean, that was just oh, yeah. incredible because they're just chirping Stiller, the fact he's soft, and then also in slow motion, just brings a hammer down on his sister-in-law. Yeah. The fact that Blythe there and the mom comes running, jumps in the pool, like a little bit of physical comedy goes a long way. And obviously the mileage they get, not just of the fact he's a male nurse, but the fact his real name is Gaylord M. Fokker. Like what? Like his, his parents must have had a sense of humor to name his Gaylord M. Fokker. Plus, I love a movie that at the end gives a little thing because like they do at the very end of this movie where they're in bed uh de niro and his wife they're like now we have to meet his parents like they're kind of yes. setting up for the sequel because they do that before they know the movie's going to be successful enough for a sequel i just like the confidence yeah. of that in a movie where it's like you know what this is going to be so popular that we're going to hint for a sequel without even knowing its success yet i was yeah, like and, that. and you're right and, you get, and you're covered either way because if you do it well great you're even planning the scene and if you didn't well what do you mean we weren't planning a sequel we just thought it was a throwaway yeah. line we'd have to meet the parents yeah. at some point like of course you would right richard schickle at time magazine a lost poor fokker he can't help himself we can't help ourselves from falling about equally helpless at this superbly antic movie michael dequina what gives the film its special kick is the match of stiller and de niro and rick groan of globe and mail toronto paper when the script pulls its faith in the audience allowing us to find the laughs on our own the film is irresistible a bright lark yet when the writers panic upping the antic volume and shifting into crazed sitcom gear, the lark stops. Correct. Like, it's smart, and it's funny, and the premise is good. Once it but gets ridiculous. a little too ridiculous, you're like, seriously, the whole world is against this guy. But ultimately, though, I will give Meet the Parents, which I had not seen in a long time, Three Minute Police. It's available right now on HBO. So to quickly recap, um, Impeachment, American Crime Story, Three, maybe Three and a Half Maple Leafs, American Trader, The Trial of Axis Sally on Amazon Prime. That is a Two Maple Leaf. Adam's Family 2 is currently in theaters. That is a Two Maple Leaf movie. And Meet the Parents is Three Maple Leafs. So those are your reviews. Now it's time for Canada Zone, one of the funniest guys out there. No, not Martin Short, but the great Will Arnett. Pleasure bringing in the great Will Arnett. He's one of the funniest people in the world. I had the pleasure of meeting him five years ago, and my wife is such a big fan. She came with me, and then she, when she meets Will, she says, "Oh my God, you're my favorite." She meant to say you're my favorite blues. All she got up was you're my favorite, and Will smartly says, "Your favorite Arnett?" I hope so. I mean, I'm much better company than my family. Give me, come on. Uh, <laughs> since those five years, a lot has happened. Will has blown up, of course, with Lego Batman movie. I love his podcast, Smartless, which we're going to talk about, and of course, Lego Masters on Fox. First and foremost, well, how are you doing? How is everything going in this crazy time of ours? 
I'm good. It's crazy. It's very early in the morning out here in California, so I'm uh, um, I'm just getting my my legs under me, if you if you will. And uh, it's been uh, yeah, it's been good. You know, I've been doing the podcast and been working and just been. It's it's such a weird. I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop, um, like everybody else. Yeah, I, I welcome you to the world of podcasts. We're going to get into uh, your fondness for sports. Obviously, we've talked Leafs before, and we'll get into the New York Jets. But speaking of podcasts, I want to start with Smartless. Because it's hysterical. Um, I got my top three episodes. Conan was really good because he's always absurdist and just like a lunatic. Ricky Gervais was amazing because you told the story about approaching Ricky Gervais as if you were a fan. And the whole concept of India Pale Ale, which was amazing. But most of yeah. all, Mitch Hurwitz, who, as you know, I adore Arrested Development. For those who don't know, Mitch Hurwitz was the creator of Arrested Development. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, one of the things that sort of came up when we started doing the podcast, it was like, well, we, we have no plan. So let's just have, you know, the only conceit that we had was that we bring on a surprise guest uh, so that somebody brings out a guest that week and the other two don't know who it is. And that's it. And then we have no plan. So we're just left to having conversations that happen organically. So if we, it happens to be somebody that we know really well, you migrate, you end up migrating towards stories about, you know, shared experience and stuff that actually happened. And for us with Mitch, we obviously have a very long history from, you know, Arrested Development and other shows and, and whatever. And I just, you know, we, we end up kind of getting into these things that are just our personal interactions in our lives and, uh, and shit that just actually happened which is uh, kind of ends up being the stuff that people want to listen to. You know, we, we, we've never planned an interview. We've never talked about, we, we, we've never outlined what we're going to talk about ever. Not once. We've never said, Hey, I'm going to mention this. There's no talking before we start recording. As soon as we're logged on, we're recording. So there's no preamble. Um, it, what you hear is, is us just being us. And I think for some reason, people respond to it. Um, and, you know, yeah, so, like, when we have Ricky on, it's just Ricky getting on and being like, guys, what are you doing? And then, like, Bateman not knowing what Indian, like, an IPA is, is so real <laughs> slash embarrassing for him. And <laughs> and then, and and he and Sean both look like complete idiots in that episode. And then Conan coming on, I mean, Conan's the best. He's such a, uh, like you said, he's absurdist. And uh, having him on the show, I mean, just you, you just know you're always going to go in some direction that you hadn't anticipated. But it's funny. I went back and watched the rest of development again. I watched a few episodes. Um, and I love the point you guys were making with Mitch is like, could we do this now? Like 2006 on Fox. Could we do that in 2021? And Mitch is like, yeah, probably not. Like, I don't think we can get away with some of these jokes. Like, it's, it's such a great show. I'm just so glad it happened when it did. Right. Yeah, I don't think you. Uh, I don't think you could, and uh, I'm sure there are a lot of people uh, who would say, "Good, you shouldn't be able to." But the, the, the you know, the other side is, ah, it's such a shame that uh, that we can't that we can't, and it, things happen the way they happen for a reason. And I, I think that's great. And of course, we have to progress as a people, and I think that that's really important. And I think there we're, we're experiencing a lot of growing pains of that, and, and comedy is going through a lot of growing pains right now as a result of it too. But also at the end of the day, it's all for me. It's always about um, motive and intention. You know, wh whatever sort of jokes you're making, it's always about what is your motive and what is your intention. If your intention is to injure, then then to hell with you. And if your intention is to laugh and to make few people be okay, then then that's okay. Yeah, I completely agree with you. At the end of the day, dude, it's comedy. It's for a reason, and it's supposed to be an outlet for everybody. Still can't believe Sean yeah. has not watched the rest of development 
Hopefully he'll get on that. It's, Everyone check out. It's the best. How is that? It's the, how is that? How has that happened? Like he's with both of you guys. Like, bro, it's 22 minutes. Just, it's, th- it's four seasons. Knock it out. Let's go. And not only that, the, be- the, the best part of, of Sean not having watched the show yet, uh, over a year into us shaming him about it, is that he has nothing to do at night. He has no plans. He's at home every night. He and Scotty are getting takeout every night at like 6 p.m. And so he, Sean's at home with nothing to do. Like, how many times can you watch Star Wars, nerd? You know, I mean, he is... T- He's such a Star Wars nerd. He and Scotty, it's embarrassing. Yeah, dude, get with it, right? He's missing all these one-liners from Lucille Bluth. Get on it. Uh, and Joe, of course, a magician. Yeah, he's, he's, it's, a trick is something a whore does for money, okay? I'm an illusionist. Uh, let's get to talking a little bit of football. I didn't know this about you. So I, I knew the obviously, rabid Trauma Police fan. You're tied with Brandon Shanahan. I know you're a Blue Jays fan. Yeah. We're around the same age. We grew up 80s Jays, George Bell, got it. Did not know you were a New York yeah. Jets fan, but when I tell people, hey, as a Canadian, you can cheer for whatever NFL team you want. I mean, we've got the Argos and the CFL, but NFL, do whatever you want. So tell me, how did you first become a Jets fan? Was it just, hey, I'm in Toronto, I like New York, let's go. I, I know it was more of a function of, you know, you getting those games through through Buffalo on Buffalo TV. You got, obviously, you get Bills and you get Giants, but sometimes on off weeks or whatever, sometimes you'd get Jets games as well. And I thought like, oh, I'm going to be a contrarian. And they weren't a, as easy to follow as the Bills, but I thought I'm going to be a contrarian and just follow the Jets and, and not the Bills uh, like everybody else, because that's just my lot in life. It's my my... Achilles heel is to be a contrarian. And so, so that happened. And and then I moved to New York and I lived in New York for over 20 years and I just became a Jets fan. And the Jets in the, in the nineties went on a bit of a run where they went to back-to-back AFC championships and when they had Bill Parcells as coach and they had, you know, when they had Vinny Testaverde was amazing before he got hurt in in 99 and that, the first game of the season, which was crushing and Wayne Krabat and Curtis Martin, like there were some years there where it looked like, oh, this might happen. And they were, we were all Jets fans. And then since then, it's just been, you know, decades of pain, um, which I'm used to as a Leafs fan. Um, so I'm like, oh, this is nothing. Oh, you haven't won in 20? Try going 50 plus years, dude. So, so that's how that, that kind of came to be. Well, and I always laugh too. Like, of course, actors would be sports fans. Like, what do you think we're doing on our downtime? Like, I think it's amazing. Like if you if you were to say to you, hey, J.K. Simmons, I know he's a huge Tigers fan. Bateman's a big Dodgers guy. Uh, Brian Cranston's a Dodgers fan. Like of the people you've worked with, who would you say was the most rabid fan? If not yourself, obviously with the Leafs, but somebody who on set was like, hey, guys, can we wrap this? Like Nicholson and the Lakers, I got to get going to go watch this. Is there any actor or someone you've worked with like that? I'd probably say Bateman. Uh, Bateman is a Dodgers fan. He's the most, because he also like, you know, he he's the commissioner on two fantasy leagues. He has a, by the way, Jason has a very busy professional schedule and he's got two kids. Right. And, uh, so he, he will, he won't mind me saying it. he'll wake up sometimes before he's shooting Ozark in Atlanta. This is crazy. He'll wake up at like four or four thirty in the morning. I'm not exaggerating so that he can watch that. He's taped the Dodgers game from the night before. And he'll yeah. speed through and watch it at like 4.30 in the morning so that he can get that in and then take a shower and then drive to set first thing in the morning. <laughs> so, so he gets, he, he, Jason arrives at set at 7 a.m. And, and everybody else is waking up and he's already watched the Dodgers game. <laughs> like, like that is so crazy. 
and he does everything um this is another crazy one like his this weekend we were going to have dinner i'm working this weekend but his jason's wife amanda called me said can you have dinner with us on saturday jason says if you come he'll come to dinner with us and a couple of our other friends but if he said to Jason, said to Amanda, if Arnett doesn't come to dinner, then I'm going to the Dodgers game. So I go, well, I go, well, I'm working. I can't come. And she said, so because you're working, I'm not having dinner with my husband on Saturday. I go, wait, how is it my fault? I have nothing to do with this. That's how it's hardcore it is. Yeah, that is pretty hardcore. That's amazing. The age of DVR, I guess, right? Different when we were kids. You got a VCR, and I can record the game, fly through commercials. All right, pitching change. Yeah. I guess you can probably watch a Dodger game in two hours if need be, but that, that's pretty remarkable. Um, yeah. Obviously, proud yeah. Canadians. Larry Walker just got in the Hall of Fame. I know you are a proud Canadian. Everyone knows you. You go on Kimmel. You mention you're Canadian. You must be walking around Beverly Hills just strutting with a giant maple leaf around you. I don't know if there's ever been a better time to be a Canadian sports fan. You mentioned women's sports, women's hockey. We beat the USA. Huge. Another one. What, women's hockey beat the USA. Tokyo win the gold medal in, in, in the uh, women's soccer. Like It is right. a tremendous time to be a Canadian sports fan. And you're right. This is a real sort of glory time. And that's why... I I really relish the title of Mr. Canada, you know, that they've given me. I think they gave me. Um, I'm giving myself. But I'm, I'm henceforth known as Mr. Canada. And um, also, I think that I can, I can announce I might run for prime minister. I don't know what the rules are. <laughs> All right, that's good. <laughs> I don't know what the rules are, and I don't know anything about it. But I think that's the next logical step. And I don't think this is a misguided decision or thought on my part. Well, listen, it is a little bit, bit of tough here for Trudeau. I mean, listen, it could be an election here. Who knows what's happening? But it is funny. When, when I say I'm Canadian, like the Canadians that come to mind, it used to be, you know, I don't know, Drake or Avril Lavigne or a different era, Anne Murray. But now, honestly, yeah. I'm not kidding. It's neck and neck, you and Marty Short. Like everyone knows Martin Short is a huge Canadian, and they know you are. You and Marty Short are neck and neck right now. <laughs> Wait, Marty, he'll be so disappointed to hear that, I've, that I'm up to him. He, I mean, he, that, nothing will bring him more disappointment than to hear that. I will legitimately tell him this immediately. If you go to Disney World, I went with my kids, and they have like different pavilions. It's like as a kid, you went to folklore, and the Canada exhibit is Martin Short, their voice. And all. I, I said to my kids, I go, it's going to be Will Arnett in about two or three years. Nothing against Martin Short, Will Arnett's going to be this guy soon. Oh, my God. Listen, let's hope so. That'll be amazing, man. That'll be, because uh, if nothing else, just to rub it in Marty's face. Uh, no, no question. Um, uh, listen, there's nothing better than being a dad. You've talked about it on Kimmel, your boys, Archie and Abel coaching them in, in Little League, at baseball, t-ball, going to school and, you know, telling everybody, hey, I'm the voice of Batman. What I'm curious about is this, Lego Masters, everyone's loving, but are they into Legos like you? Because I, 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 my kids, it's like, one of them is, one of them has no interest. So I'm wondering, you're the dad who's Batman, obviously that's cool, but the dad who's hosting Lego Ma Masters, does that reach the same popularity? Well, certainly with uh, uh, Abel, my 11-year-old, my, uh, he's much more into it than Archie is, who's almost 13. Archie's kind of in that place right now where he's not you know, really playing with Lego as much these days. But my 11-year-old, yeah, he's super into it. He loves that, uh, he loves Lego Masters. 
Love. It's yeah. one of those weird things that because so many families enjoy it together, I get a lot of real time, you know, phone calls and texts from people that I know, people who are who normally wouldn't reach out about watching your show or on, if it's anything else, but because it really kind of resonates with people and it is such a family show and their kids are really into Lego, they're like, my son just wanted me to let you know that he loves Lego Masters. And, you know, and I'm like, great, that's so cool. And, but my <laughs> own kid, yeah. It will be like they love watching. They love seeing what these people do because these builders, you know, we had some great builders season one, and then we got even better ones on season two. It was it, it was really impressive to watch how how they were able to build and and uh, and yeah, it's fun to be able to do something that your kids are into, you know. Yeah, I mean, listen, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon has said this before. He goes, I think a lot of Ben's motivation for playing Batman was to, like, impress his kids. He was like, are you kidding? Like, just to be able to show up in the bat suit on his kid's birthday. Like, he doesn't give a damn what the critics say. Like, it was totally worth it. And for you, like, yeah. forever, the rest of your life, bro, Will Arnett is Batman. Like, it's awesome. <laughs> I know. It's pretty It's pretty crazy. I was, I was yesterday, I've been shooting this thing over on the, on the Warner lot. And, and uh, yesterday I went to uh, get in my car to leave last night. And there was like this, one of these like tour, uh, Warner Brothers tour bus sort of trolley type things. Or no, it was like an extended like um, golf cart basically. And it was a Batman sure. motorway. And it was parked <laughs> right, like almost touching my car. And I was like, am I getting punked here? What's going on? <laughs> but like, there's going to be a picture. I just saw the Val documentary. It was really good. He hated playing Batman. Yeah. It's a long story. But like a picture of like, seriously, this has to happen one day. I don't know how it would happen, but even if you superimpose it, you, Keaton, Val, Clooney, Affleck, like, dude, that's, that is a very select list. They, they'd all be like, what are you doing here, bro? And you know, what's funny is, is I wore that Val, <laughs> I wore the, I wore the Val suit on the, when I did the Oscars a few years ago, I did this little bit with the Lonely Island boys uh, when they sang the, uh, everything is awesome on the Oscars. And I came out as Batman and they had we got the Val suit from Warner Brothers, and then we and we had to alter it because um, uh, he's not as tall. He wasn't as tall as I thought. But anyway, it's a different story. Yeah. I, I guess what I'm doing is I'm here promoting my height, and, <laughs> and I'm really proud of my height. And I'm a lot taller than most guys in show business. Six two, Will Arnett. I think the average height of a male actor is like five seven or five eight. I'm I'm closer to six three. I'm I'm much closer to six three. It should be pointed out. I don't want to get into. Uh, who cares? It doesn't matter. <laughs> no, we'll call exactly. it sure. Sure, we'll say six two. We'll say six two. We'll say six two. I'm reading my Hollywood Reporter, and I see Will Arnett pop up, and it's in the home section. I'm not going to say the number, but you purchased a home, which I said to myself, yes. you know, Will, listen, I'm sure at, at heart you're a good Kayan boy. Grew up young in St. Clair, but dude. Congrats on the house. I mean, that, that is awesome. You. You've worked hard. You deserve it. Beverly Hills, good for you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm Mr. Cannon. I'm also Mr. Beverly Hills. And um, I, <laughs> I love it. It's, by the way, it's not, I'm sure people think, oh, Beverly Hills. It must be, it's not what you think. Like, it's not like, you know, in the state, I don't have like a butler and like, you know, my my house is basically empty as well. You can kind of hear it echoing. I'm here in my house now. It's crazy. But uh, uh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'm psyched to be able to. I'm, I'm very, very blessed. So blessed. No, I mean, this, yeah, just it's not me. It's, 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 a, it's an entire collaborative experience. It's really not me, but it's sure. just me. That was like the Hall of Fame. Larry Walker goes, I wouldn't be here without my teammates. I go, no, you're here because of you. You rate. You're a three-time batting champion. Like, you're the pride of Maple Ridge, BC, and you crushed. Forget about those teammates. Especially in baseball. You would have hit the home run. What, your teammate was helping you hit? No, dude, you did it.
I would, I, you know, I haven't won enough awards, but believe me, if I do, if I ever win a major award, my list of thanking people is going to be very short. <laughs> Last thing, one of the great moments ever in your career is when you're on Kimmel, who's a good friend of yours. You filled in for Jimmy when he's been off. Uh, when, when Bateman canceled and you filled in, like I, I just want to tell you, I think that was a top five Will Arnett moment. I, I, whenever I watch you, it's funny, but that was particularly good because you were not only helping Jimmy, but you were singing Bateman, which was great. <laughs> yeah, Bateman bailed on him, and then and then I got a steak. I ate a steak on because it was dinner time, and I ate a steak on the program, and it was a very <laughs> shocking. And and the pressure was really off because I wasn't promoting anything. I was just there to kind of fill fill this gap, which you know was not hard to do, um, considering you know it was a real for for Jimmy. It was a step up getting me from Bateman. So you know <laughs> that was a uh, that was a really that was really fun. Uh, that was a fun one because it was no pressure. I could just like show up. Oh yeah, well it's funny you said that. Like normally, whenever an actor or someone appears, it's always they're promoting something. I worked with Chris Chelius, as you know, World Cup of Hockey coverage at ESPN, and he's buddies with John Cusack. And I said, God, I'd love to get John Cusack in my podcast. And then Cusack just says, I'm not promoting anything. And I'm like, Well, I'll talk whatever you want to talk. But he goes, No, I got nothing. Like, I don't. I, there's nothing to promote. I have no interest in talking to you. <laughs> That's funny. Wow, I know. Yeah. I, I get yeah. it is a different world now, though. Like since I've been doing the podcast, I realized like. And there are people who it's harder to talk to who, right. cause you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know, know nothing about John Cusack. I, I don't mean him, but I just mean like in general. And I think there are a lot of people who have, who legitimately have nothing to say. Right. Like, I, I got nothing going to, and I'm sure like, cause it's, it's you, Sean and Jason booking. It. It's like, who do you want to get? And you text the guy, he goes, I got nothing for you. And you go, oh, dude, just come on for like 20 minutes. We'll just hang out. I'm like, I really have nothing to say. <laughs> maybe maybe he meant like legitimately he's just got nothing to say in the world like legit you're like oh well then i feel at, at that point then it turns to well then i feel very badly for you if you've got nothing to say <laughs> martin short How disappointing La right no. uh will arnett check out smartless by the way i believe there's a billboard you've been mentioned on one of your episodes in downtown toronto so all the canadians watching you are aware of smartless download subscribe uh, uh, unload and then, you know, resubscribe, whatever you do, put comments, rate, review, all that kind of stuff. Lego Masters is on Fox. This is great stuff, dude. Um, I think it's a reach to get more Arrested Development, maybe just because Jessica Walter's gone, but give me some hope. Is there ever a chance that Mitch gets the band back together again? Boy, I, I, I haven't even thought about that. I don't, not the, I don't think so. But who knows? But you know what? You never know. Just to keep it alive, you never know. Hey, there's a Sopranos prequel, so who knows? Maybe an Arrested Development prequel one day. Uh, yeah, the great yeah. Will Arnett. He's awesome. Uh, go Leafs, go. Go Jays. Enjoy the soccer. Tottenham. Enjoy the Jets. Uh, it's been great, man. Thanks for catching up. Yeah, buddy. Great to see you again. All right. Thanks once again to Will Arnett. That guy's the best. Follow him on Twitter. Follow him on Instagram. You can see him lots of different things. My kids were watching one of the many Ninja Turtles live action movies the other day. Will Arnett in one of those movies. I should have asked him about that. He was in the film with Megan Fox. Pretty good little gig here. I get to work with the Ninja Turtles. I'm going to make a ton of money, and I'm just, just ogling Megan Fox. Good life there, Will just Arnett. Just nod my head. Just nod my head. <laughs> Cody's not going to go into dangerous territory. Um... 
Thank you, as always, for checking out Cinephile. Please go to Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe, rate, and review. Check out previous episodes. If you just now watched The Many Saints of Newark, you can listen to my spoiler-free review last week, interview with Alan Sepinwall. In the past, we have Kevin Costner, Ken Burns, Ryan Russillo, and many others. Next week, I'll be reviewing No Time to Die, the new James Bond film. That's right, 007 is back as well as an excellent new independent film called Mass. We hope to have one of the stars of that film, Jason Isaacs, as well. Look forward to that, and I'll see you at the movies. 